Neil Before Blog presents Neil Before Pod. Hello, and welcome to Neil Before Pod interviews. I'm your host, Craig, and I recently had the pleasure of talking to Jace Riki, writer of the latest DC animated movie, Batman The Doom That Came to Gotham. The conversation covers choosing what to adapt from the source material, finding the language of the time period, and different versions of Batman. Sit back, relax, and enjoy. Hi, Jace, how are you doing? Great, great. Hey, I wanted to check out your site, and I listened to your interview with Matt Peters. Oh, cool. Last week. Yeah, it was great. I really liked it. I've worked with Matt a couple of times, so it was fun to listen to. thought it was really nice. Cool. Well, thank you for doing your homework. That's great to hear. Thanks very much. Yeah, no, I'm glad I found your site now, because that, that's the type of that, yeah. So, well, there'll be plenty of content for you to sink your teeth into, that's for sure. But in terms of this film, how did you come to be involved in it? How did you come on board? Tim Creek, really. I worked for Warner Brothers for a couple of projects, and currently on... This was actually before, but on Bruce Timm's new Cape Crusader, I'm going to on that show. And I was working on DC Superhero Girls season two. And Jim was around that corner. We found out that we're both Batman fans. I was a fan of these films before I was even a writer. I was at Comic-Con when Death of Superman, the first one, I was like, oh my God, these are great. So when Jim Krieg was around the corner and one of the execs at, at Warner Brothers introduced us and we hit it off, we both went horror, we both whatever. And then during COVID, I believe I was still working on Superhero Girls, the movie, and Jim Krieg called. And before he even finished, I said, yes. <laughs> I'm a huge fan of horror as well. I was at equal parts. So honestly, this was just a dream job come true. I guess that takes care of my question around whether you come from a comics reading background. It sounds like you're fully immersed in this setup. Yeah. To be honest with you, I'm a Marvel guy. Grew up Marvel, but because of my recent job, it's fair. And, you know, I've always followed DC, but just I've been getting deeper and deeper and sconced into the DC lore. And this project was just right up my alley. So I think that's why Jim reached out. We've talked about a couple of things, but this was a lot of fun. Getting to work with Sam. And the development process was a blast, too. And like I said, I was a fan of these movies for a long time, so I would just see Sam's name. and like, oh, we're working together. This is great. And he's a delay. And this one's a direct adaptation of a three-issue miniseries. So when you're adapting a story that's like this, that's already a comic, how do you go about getting the important aspects out of it and putting it in your screenplay and equally deciding what to change as well? Because... All adaptations usually change something. Yeah, this was tough because I do feel like, and I love the book, obviously, it's a great book. They made a movie, it was so good. But a lot of times it's a different beast. Three-part graphic novel doesn't necessarily translate to a traditional feature story. So that was kind of the trick. There's so much good in the book and we wanted to be faithful to this, what worked really well in the book. And we want to be faithful to the characters. And to me, it was important to be faithful to Lovecraft. I wanted to feel like a Lovecraft book where it's a very dense myth mythology and you're just going deeper and the sense of dread is building and building and then at the very end it all comes out oh my gosh this horrifying thing and that's kind of what was my goal here was balancing that but at the same time too we wanted to make sure we had an emotional through line with bruce at least something that we're tracking his resistance and his desire to hold on to logic and his rationale where he needs to sort of let science go this his character switch for him which was something that was in the book a bit, but we really wanted to bring to the forefront as our window into the story. Yeah, no, absolutely. And you could argue that this version of Bruce is more broken than he usually is. He starts off being away from Gotham and it's about him getting back there, but he's not ready to go back yet and things like that. That must have been really interesting, just almost reverse engineer his origin story as in he has to find a purpose again. Yeah, it was tough because there wasn't a lot of room, you know, 88 minutes is the book was an embarrassment of riches in a lot of ways because there's so much there. But what isn't there, and there was a lot of time to, he's not really Batman very long. When he opens that thing on the boat, when he opens his secret compartment and reveals the costume, that's the first time, in my mind anyway, that's the first time he's putting a Batman costume. That's when he becomes Batman, returns to Gotham. And then through the course of the story, he becomes the Batman. But it's a very 
different approach to Batman and that he's only in Gotham for his youth, really. And he leaves immediately after to go travel the world. Knowing that this is darkness, he's got a, he thinks it's the traditional, I got to clean up Gotham, but it's this actually something more dark, can't put a finger on it. And it's been there his whole life, but that's what he's actually preparing for. So it was a very different Batman in that sense. And I think in a lot of ways, what's fun about Batman with the Elseworlds and with not even just the Elseworlds, just the thing about superheroes being so prominent in the zeitgeist now is that you could have any given number of adaptations out there like how many adaptations of harley quinn are out there right now and so i think the general public has a better understanding but that gives you a little more liberty to sort of elide some of the necessary origin stuff or just to intimate certain details that connect you to that source material and how did you get yourself in the headspace of the period specific dialogue because obviously people don't talk in that time period like they do now it must have been an adjustment to write that kind of dialogue no i do i talk like that i don't know if you notice that i'd say no i'm just kidding that was something that jim had handed me you would come up with somebody's got to say bully somebody's got to say bully i'm like okay okay give Oliver bully and stuff like that but the trick with that always is you don't want it to be ham-fisted you want it to be believable but not distracting sometimes we'd find ourselves going a little too far with some of the parlance of the time it was just watching some old movies and just doing a little bit of research on that end without it seeming too egregious, if that makes sense. No sense full method like sitting in a smoke-filled room typing the script on a typewriter or anything like that. <laughs> no, 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 no. Is there any other characters that you'd love to adapt or any stories featuring certain characters that you'd love to adapt now that you've had a go at this one? Yeah, it's funny. I would love to see more stories in this world. I know that's a long shot. I've had some fun with Superhero Girls, that show that I worked on. I was head writer there, reinterpreting some DC characters and stuff like that. And it's always fun to do that. So I got used to sort of finding a different world and putting DC characters through that filter. And I think Mignola did a great job of doing that, putting DC characters through that sort of Lovecraftian lens. And I'd be very interested in doing something like that. Like, where is Wonder Woman in this world? Or where is Superman? Or even The Flash? One of my favorite characters was Oliver Queen and the relationship with Kylie. Oh, and just seeing those two characters brought into this world, I thought was kind of cool. So I, I think there's more stories to tell here. I'd watch all of it. Absolutely. I'd love to see the 1920s supernatural Superman. It'd be amazing. Yeah, it'd be great. Can't imagine what that would be but I would like to have to imagine it for a project. Well, fingers crossed. Thanks very much for your time. It's been great chatting to you about this film. Great to get some insight into it, and I really hope it goes well. Can't wait for it to come out and for people to experience it. You did a great job, and thank you very much for taking the time to talk to me today. Well, no, thank you for taking the time. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. That was my interview with Jace Riki. I wish him all the very best for his future projects. If you like what you heard, then please do hit subscribe on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere you get your podcasts. We'd love it if you would leave us a five-star rating and a review. If you want to discuss this interview, Batman or DC in general, or anything else, you can hit us up on Facebook or Twitter under Neil Before Blog, or leave a comment on neilbeforeblog.co.uk. For more interviews, a monthly news podcast, and deep dive analytical discussions about your favourite nerdy things, join us on Neil Before Pod.